We love the story of the prodigal son and the lost sheep. In a way, we hear ourselves in the prodigal son or in the lost sheep. So grateful that we, us sinners, have been found by our Lord and have been brought to salvation. We also, as people who love family members, etc., love to see the return of the prodigal son, the wholeness of the family, made whole again. We like to see people who have been down and out uh, get better and become whole again. These are all beautiful, wonderful things that we just naturally are, we just naturally like and appreciate. So, what's going on here with this parable of the lost sheep, or for that matter, the parable of the lost or the, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, and the coin that's been found? In each one, what Jesus is addressing is he's addressing the subject of repentance. So there's no prodigal son without repentance. There's no founding of the one in a hundred sheep without the repentance of the lost sheep, etc. And so he uses this word repentance multiple times. Who have no 99 righteous who have no need of repentance over the one sinner who repents. And finally, the brother of the prodigal son who's so angry about what his brother has done. All right. So, Jesus is addressing in this gospel the Pharisees and scribes. There's tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees and scribes say, why why do you keep talking to them? Why do you keep hanging out with them? We're the righteous ones here. What are you doing? And Jesus is saying to them, you guys, we all have to repent, even you Pharisees and scribes. And then by way of example in the prodigal son, the Pharisees and scribes are the upset brother who's mad about the brother who became a sinner. All right. So, but here's the thing, is that the Lord loves all people. He loves the tax collectors and the sinners who are repentant. And he even loves the Pharisees and the scribes who are not repentant. Now, the Pharisees and scribes have to repent before they're going to go to heaven. There's no one in heaven who says, I was never a sinner. We were all sinners. Everyone getting into heaven has to say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's repentance. Must happen. All right. But what about those people who don't repent? They're great sinners in whatever way they are. We're all great sinners. But there are these sinners and they will not repent. They will not say they're sorry. Have you ever been in a conflict or an argument with somebody and they will not say they're sorry? They've done something wrong and they will not acknowledge it and they will not say they're sorry. Isn't that upsetting? Well, a little secret. I think that each one of us are the same, right? You say, I got in this argument with my brother or my sister or my spouse or something and they will not say they're sorry. There's an excellent chance that we need to say we're sorry to somebody, too, somewhere along the way. It's just really hard to do. But what about those people who just hurt other people, and they stay in their sin, and they don't care? They're just unrepentant. What about them? Well, the Pharisees and scribes, Jesus doesn't hang out with the Pharisees and scribes. He and his apostles are kind of like on the periphery. They're doing their thing, aware of the Pharisees and scribes, and there are different times where Jesus will disappear from them, etc. So he's not hanging out with the people who would harm him, but he's God and he still loves them. So Jesus comes into the world to save the Pharisees and the scribes. 
to save the unrepentant with the repentant. It's just that the unrepentant have to repent before they die. Alright. So here's the thing. Jesus dying on the cross in Calvary and he's so grateful for all of those who repented and came to him. And he's still praying for Pontius Pilate and Ananias and Caiaphas and the soldiers who have driven the nails into his hands and feet. He still wants their salvation too. And it's really, really hard to imagine that. Imagine your murderer coming to murder you. And naturally you're trying to stay away, but they find you and they're going to kill you now. And you're praying for their repentance so that they can join you in heaven. They're probably not the kind of people that you want to join you in heaven. But believe me, in heaven, everyone is made perfect. And so this is the prayer that our Lord has for the Pharisees and scribes, for Pontius Pilate and Caiaphas and Ananias and all the rest. He wants them to come to heaven. He wants them to repent. And as long as they do, even if it's on their deathbed, Jesus, I'm sorry, have mercy on me, a sinner, they're going to make it to heaven. They'll pass through purgatory, maybe to the end of the world. Their suffering in purgatory might be legendary. But they would make it to heaven. Even if in heaven their star doesn't shine very brightly, it's just a little tiny, little flickering flame. And then you have the saints that are burning like the sun in heaven for all eternity. But even that little flicker of flame... All the other saints and angels in heaven would point to that one and say, that's Pontius Pilate. On his deathbed, he told Jesus he was sorry. Look how glorious God is. And all of this is a testament to God's glory. That his infinite love would save the worst of sinners if only they would repent in time. What about us? It's hard to love the people who have hurt us. It's hard to love the people who keep hurting other people. Really hard. It's really hard to pray for their salvation when what we want is for them to be removed from us and others so they'll stop hurting us and others. But to be like the father in the story of the prodigal son. To want all of his children to be saved. What I find in my own life is the way in which I can do it, and it's the only way I find I can do it, is to love Jesus. I see these people who do heinous things, and I have a really hard time loving them. But I love Jesus, and in my love of Jesus, something happens. My love of God is it enables me to love you and everyone else. That's amazing. That's an amazing gift. If you find in your life that you're struggling to to love somebody or to forgive somebody, somebody who will not say they're sorry and somebody who continues to hurt and do incredible damage, then love the Lord. And in loving Jesus, you might find that you pick up His grace to love them too. And to wish for their repentance and their salvation. I have a beautiful story for you. I asked this lady if I could use her story, and she gave me permission, so there you go. 96-year-old friend of mine, I've known now for, I don't know, 15 years or something. He's 96 now. 
She, uh, until a couple years ago, she used to, most weeks, walk from her house about five or eight blocks to this abortion clinic, where she would just stand at the door and pray a rosary. And then she would walk home. Then she would walk home. It was all she could do. It's all she could do. And of course, people would drive by and flip her off and all of this, this 90-something-year-old lady. All right. Well, she has eight children, and they're all adults, ages 50s to 70s. And of her eight children, only one's a practicing Catholic. All the rest have fallen away. All the rest have become so enlightened that, of course, they've walked away from Christ and his church. Some of them have become truly anti-Catholic. They might still love their mother, but that whole religion thing, Mom, you keep that away from me, and don't, don't you ever bring it up around me. Sounds familiar to many of us, I'm sure. So one of her daughters uh, would faithfully call her every week, and she paid for her mother's phone. And the 96-year-old is blind now. Paid for her mother's phone. All right. Well, this enlightened 70-year-old daughter is naturally a supporter of abortion rights. And so when Roe v. Wade was overturned this summer, knowing how much of an opponent of abortion how pro-life her mother is. She just couldn't deal with this anymore. And so she told her mom, Mom, listen, you know, I'm sorry, but overturning Roe v. Wade was just evil. It was terrible. We should be able to kill the babies. So this is what I'm going to have to do, Mom. I'm not going to pay for your phone bill anymore. And I'm going to use that money to donate it to Planned Parenthood. I love you, Mom. All right. So what does the mother do? Well, she can't stop loving her daughter. She just has to keep loving her daughter. And some of the other kids never call. They haven't spoken to her in years. They never call. They leave their invalid, blind mother in a nursing home and never don't care. But that little old lady, if anyone's going to save her kids' souls, it's her. It's her. They all die one by one and have to answer for why they walked away from Jesus, why they bad-mouthed him, why they supported such evil. And hopefully the grace of their mother's prayers will have brought them to repentance before that moment. Before that moment. I think of Catholics like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi who have spent 50 years championing the killing of babies. And I don't know them. I don't know them at all, kind of thing. You know, it's like, do I really want to pray for these guys? Do I really want them in heaven with me? I mean, in some way, they're responsible for the deaths of tens of millions. Or what about the people who are responsible for what happened to the Jews in World War II? Now, this is supernatural love. This is not love on a, on a natural order. That's why I say, I find myself having to pray to Jesus and to love our Lord, to love Jesus. This is the only way I can find to love these people and to wish salvation for them. And I guess because I love Jesus, I really do hope that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and people like that, at least by the time they're breathing their last breaths will say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Because Jesus is glorious. They might not be. I'm not. 
that Jesus is glorious. And for every great sinner who's saved, even though they might just be a little tiny, tiny, tiny light in the kingdom of heaven, it's a reflection of God's glory that he would save all of us if only we would repent. So love the unrepentant. It's easy enough to love the repentant. I was a sinner until I repented. And then once I'm repented, then everybody loves me great. But what about the unrepentant? What about those who hurt other people profoundly? Who are proud of it? Nancy Pelosi said just a couple weeks ago that if you oppose abortion rights, then you're a sinner. No, Nancy, it's the other way around, honey. How do I love her? By loving Jesus and this great grace that makes me say, all right, Nancy, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, Nancy. So, love the unrepentant. Love the prodigal son before he repents. Love him while he's sleeping with prostitutes and blowing his family's money and maybe slandering his father and brother and all that. Love him then, too. Love your children. Don't give up on them. You might not be able to be in a relationship with them for very good reasons. But by the grace of God, be God-like. And love, love the Lord. And in that you'll find the power to love the unrepentant.